From KYW News Radio 1039 FM, this is Bridging Philly, connecting our communities on the issues that matter to you. Presented by Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. I'm Raquel Williams. Welcome to Bridging Philly. This week, our panel discussion shines a spotlight on a sweet and healing project that pairs musicians with new parents to craft a lullaby for their babies. We'll find out what the Philadelphia Lullaby Project has planned for 2023. Really, it's about um, helping someone understand not how to make a story into song, but how to touch their story, to get to understand what it is that they want to say. Sharaday Howard's Newsmaker is an area filmmaker who just won a prestigious award. So many stories are going unheard and they're absolutely amazing and inspiring. I believe it's my calling to actually help people preserve their own histories and stories. Antoinette Lee has this week's Philly Rising Changemaker. So Dad Lab is for any uh, pre-dad or new dad in the first two years who wants to explore how to become the best dad they can be and uh, how to get more out of being a dad for yourself, for your baby, for your partner. All that is on the way on Bridging Philly. This is Bridging Philly from KYW News Radio 1039 FM. The Philadelphia Lullaby Project is now entering its fourth year. It pairs new parents with local musicians to craft lullabies for their little ones. It's presented by World Cafe Live in partnership with Carnegie Hall. I stopped by the cafe to chat with musician Megan Carey, mom Naja Lloyd, and Josh Campbell, who is Artistic Director of Education and Engagement for World Cafe Live, to learn more. Let's start off with you, Joshua. How did this all come about with World Cafe Live? Yeah, so um, the Lullaby Project really came out of a need um, for Philly because of its diversity um, and understanding the different social political things that were happening at the time. And so when Carnegie Hall reached out um, to uh, David Bradley, who was the then uh, Director of Learning for uh, Live Connections, it felt like the perfect synergy, um, giving Live Connections previous work around really uniting and bringing underrepresented constituencies free uh, music education programming as well as arts experiences that they typically wouldn't get Um, so after much discussion um, Carnegie Hall came and we set up a way in which we could activate teaching artists which was something that had always been a part of um, the mission of uh, Live Connections at the time which was to really make sure that we're bringing the most diverse group of artists into the Philadelphia community and partnering them with opportunities they traditionally wouldn't have. And so with the help of Carnegie Hall, we identified a cohort of teaching artists, which includes Megan, um, who would be able to then work um, with families over a period of time to really think about how Think about the ways in which uh, families bond and can connect through music um, and thinking about the ways in which uh, caregivers can feel supported, especially during times in which we know that um, mothers and fathers deal with some level of postpartum um, and really needing a sense of community, especially if they may not have certain loved ones with them or around them. And so what has evolved over the past three years, which I'm so lucky that I've gotten a chance to observe and watch, um, especially Underworld Cafe Live, has been a community that not only uplifts you when you're having a good day, but uplifts you when you're having a bad day and that when you're going through uh, the trials 
and tribulations of life, whether it's losing a parent or feeling sick or not feeling like you are good enough as a parent, because we all know that, especially um, parents are always grappling with the choices and decisions that they make. So really having an advocate, really having someone there that prioritizes you um, and really develops a connection and becomes part of the family. Now, this is the third year for the Lullaby Project, correct? It's the third year that it's being funded, and it's being funded by the Carnegie Hall? It's being funded by the William Penn um, Foundation, which is a wonderful partner who just, in the Philadelphia community, has just changed everyone's access to the arts. So it's in partnership with Carnegie Hall um, that Philadelphia um, has gotten a little more shine through this work. Um, And what I can say is that there are definitely plans to continue to do this work beyond we spent about, how long was it, Megan? Two years virtual? A year yes. and a half? We did two years virtual, um, and this is the first time we were able to do some type of hybrid model. Um, and so this concert that we're doing is the first time that many of the teaching artists and the families have been together in the room, yes. even the same air and creating. Um, mm-hmm. So we're definitely excited to continue to do this work um, with the generous help and support of the William Penn Foundation. Okay. Megan, tell me how you came to be involved with the Lullaby Project. Well, it was a lot of luck. Um, I I can't remember how I heard about it, but it was back um, pre-pandemic. It was in in, uh, the end of 2019. And so someone brought it to my attention. They're like, I heard about this, and it just sounds like right up your alley. So I was like, okay, I'll check it out. And I came here to... uh, audition I put that in quotes because it was really just meeting this crew and finding out if if it was a good fit and um, I left knowing this is a great fit I want to do this so much and um and luckily they thought I was a good fit too so how many songs have you written thus far since you've been involved oh, I've probably uh, I've probably done about 15 songs so far maybe even more yeah we have about I think this total has gotten up to 60 songs roughly in the past uh, three years, which has been incredible. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's been, and, you know, every, every situation is different. So it's been really, as an artist, it's been really um, nourishing to me mm-hmm. as well. So tell me, Mom, about <laughs> your uh, experience uh, with the musician and with uh, the Lullaby Project. How did you come to find out about it? So I currently take classes at Community College of Philadelphia, and there was actually a flyer in the email asking, like, saying they're having this program if you want to create a lullaby for your kid. And I was like, oh, my God, I was just saying I want to write a song for my kids because we do concerts every day. So I'm like, I want to write them a song, but I just never had the time to do it. I said, okay, God, you're talking to me. This is a sign. I'm receiving it, and we're going to act on it. Granted, I was taking statistics and anatomy and physiology, so I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to, but we're going to make it work because I really want to get this done. So um, I signed on, and um, Megan was assigned as mine, and I was like, we just, we meshed so perfectly. Like, when we, it was kind of hard in the beginning getting in contact because with my schedule and everything, but when we got in contact and we were in our musical flow, writing it was just so easy. We just bounced off of each other, her energy, her positivity. It just was an amazing experience writing the song. And then when it came time to record the song, I was like, oh, the kids are sick, the twins. One week, one twin would be sick. The other week, the other twin would be sick. So I'm bouncing like, I don't know if I can do this. I'm getting frustrated. I'm like, this is going to be a failure. I wasted my time. But then I was like, you know what? 
They was better. I took them to daycare. And in my car, I just said, I'm going to record this song. And I'm not going to just record it on a voice note. I'm going to put my all into this song right in this moment. And we're going to make it perfect. I need some love in this song. <laughs> wow. So and of course, now, <laughs> now, of course, she's familiar with music making. Um, but I'm assuming that a lot of the parents that you come in contact with have no idea how to write a song. So what goes into the process? Uh, it's that's so true. I mean, working with Naja was was amazing because she has such a musical background. And then when she when she brought me this song, she's like, "Well, I just did it. You know, I just put it down, and 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 there, you can't hear the music and blah blah blah." And, and you know, she's like, and I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, she she put something on a, on a voice memo, and and this song sparkles, and it's got so much. She's got a stunning voice, first of all, but it's also just got the love just comes through. And that's the thing, that no matter what parent I'm working with, this love shines through. And and I find that depending on what, where the parent is, you know, I have to meet them where they are. And where they, wherever they are, the, the, the my goal is to, to put them in touch with the feeling that they want to share with their child, the feeling, because then, then the words, those all come, and that's not nearly as important as this, this like, what is it that you really, what's the story you really want to tell? And, and I find, because I coach songwriters, and I, I never thought that I could actually teach songwriting. You know, I'm like, no, I can't do that. I can coach songwriters who already know how to coach. But what I found with this is that really it's about um, helping someone understand not how to make a story into song, but how to to touch their story, to get to understand what it is that they want to say. Not so much how to say it in song, but what is it you want to say? And if you know that, you're, you're golden. If you dive right in, no fear inside, no fear inside. With a loud, sweet voice, you speak your mind, you speak your mind. Your smile so bright and light the world. I love you, be your mama's girl. Is that your voice on the Two Little Beans uh, song? Yes. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. I was listening to it, tearing up. Okay, so just everybody just get ready. When you hear these songs, it's going to be a Kleenex moment. Talk about um, some of the, the, the feelings and emotions that came about when you were writing the lyrics and what it is that you wanted to say about your twins. And then, of course, they were going to eventually hear it and be able to understand it. What, is it. what are some of the things that you wanted to convey in the song? I'm not going to cry, <laughs> first of all. I won't either. <laughs> so when writing the song, it was important that I made sure that they knew you're two different individuals. Mm-hmm. Just because you're identical twins, you are two completely separate individuals. And their personality is night and day. So I just wanted to make sure I catered to both of their personalities and reminded them that they are two separate individuals. Mm-hmm. Two little beans. How old are they now? They're one. Aww. They're one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sing a, oh, tell us a, a couple of the lyrics that really hit home. I'm sure the whole song does. A couple of the lyrics. You don't have to sing unless you want to. You can just speak them. But some of the lyrics that really hit home for you. Um, so when they were born, they both came out with their eyes open, like looking at the doctor. So the doctor's like, oh, my God, they're looking at me. So I felt like... <laughs> <laughs> well, part of the process is um, they'll have us write a letter to the kid, to our children. 
And um, from that, you know, we'll read the letter to them and they'll say, oh, you know, that sounds like you should put that in the song. That sounds like that would be a great part. And I was like, well, I think I want them to know, like, you came out looking. So I knew you was ready coming into the room. Megan was like, I think that's great. Like, we got to put that in the song somewhere. Like, it wasn't in, like, the um, the chorus or anything, but the bridge. She was like, it's going in there. And I was like, okay, so that part, I really wanted them to know, like, you were born ready to take on whatever it is that life is going to throw at you. You were prepared for this. Mm-hmm. So, yep. ready to take on the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm ready to take on the world. Was, yep. Yeah, was such a yeah, one. that's nice. Is this something that you would recommend other parents, other moms to do, or dads to? It's a great experience. And I know, like, we were virtual, so I know that if it happens in person where we're all in one room doing this, it will be a great experience. Because the kids, when we have our live, the kids get to do, like, dancing and singing together and my twins love dancing and singing so <laughs> you put them in a room with other kids doing it they can learn from each other so it's a great experience I find music making fascinating because I don't know how to do it <laughs> but I think it's awesome for you know to have a concept to have lyrics and then come up with music to match them and the melody all comes together it's it is art it, it's truly art talk about how did you did you came up with the music for the lyrics how does that what goes into that well, you know, it's different depending on, on who I'm working with, but um, it, in this case, it came so easily because um, a lot of times I'll, I'll have whoever I'm working with, if we've come up with some lines, I'll say, hey, you know, just speak those lines and speak them in a rhythm so that I can kind of get a sense of, of the cadence of it, and then we'll, we'll bring the, the sound together. I also ask them what kind of music they like, and if they, if they want something that's really upbeat, because some of these lullabies are actually just dancing songs that they can dance to and and um and what you know what what kind of mood and and it's been a little bit difficult on zoom because i can't i can't play something and say hey try to sing along to this and let's find a melody together so with with naja it was great because she's so musical so she like i think you sent me ideas and and we went back and forth a little bit like that um but mostly the words kind of lend themselves to a tune they just do you know two perfect beans and one small pot it was so it was that line i i I love that line (laughs) and it just it just kind of sang itself what kind of response um have you received over the years uh, for the lullaby project what have people been saying one of the comments we get um, often is wanting to continue more with the teaching artists and wanting to continue more with the song writing process. Um, one of our key missions in World Cafe Live is really putting a storytelling first approach to any and all the work that we do. And really with each participant and a great thing about the cohort of teaching artists that we have is that they represent different identities and intersectionalities of life. We have some folks who um, are English speaking um, only, um, some folks who English is their second language. Um, we have men, we have women of all different um, ethnicities, abilities, and backgrounds. And so in the matchmaking process, um, as Megan talked about, um, we really are intentional about who we curate, how we curate, um, and the team spends weeks really matching the parent from the time they are registered um, into the program to um, the completion. We are with them. We are tailoring everything to them. And so that level of expanding their creative capacity um, to try something they've never done, 
um, whether it's singing um, in public or um, <laughs> even just writing or engaging in music, um, there's always the desire to continue and ask what more um, and where can we get more work like this, in addition to just enjoying the process. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about what's on the horizon uh, for the new year for the uh, Lullaby Project. Um, what's on the horizon is that we're going to take a moment um, to reflect and begin planning for cohorts seven um, and eight. I don't have any details yet, but we're looking at um, the spring um, to begin to do another cohort of, let's just say, 16 to about 30 families that will get a chance to experience um, this work and another concert. Thank you so much. Uh, it's been a pleasure hearing about this project. And um, how can people learn more? They can learn more by um, visiting uh, worldcafelive.com. Um, and then you can reach out to me at uh, jcampbell at worldcafelive.com. Continued success. Thank you. Erica Hawkins is a filmmaker who recently received an Edward R. Murrow Award in that category. Sharaday Howard brings us our Newsmaker of the Week. This week, our newsmaker is Erica Hawkins, a local documentary filmmaker who merges her passion for filmmaking with her appreciation for history, media, and community, creating her unique style of storytelling. Recently, Hawkins won an Edward R. Murrow Award for her latest documentary. Erica, welcome to Bridging Philly. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure. Now, Erica, you say your recent success has been a long time in the making, and that's partly because you do so much. So I am a documentary filmmaker, a historian, um, a cultural producer, and an educator. So for the past, I guess you could say five years, um, I have been teaching documentary film to teens and adults um, in the Philadelphia area. Um, I kind of got started when I moved to attend uh, Temple University for a master's in film and media arts. Got to Temple. The first project that I had was a short documentary at the Colored Girls Museum. That just pretty much led to so many opportunities for me to do community film work. Um, Moving on to Scribe Video Center, Little Filmmakers. So why is community so important for you to document? Why is that such a pinpointed focus for you? I believe that community filmmaking, media making is so important because so many stories are going unheard and they're absolutely amazing and inspiring. And I believe it's my, you know, duty. It's my calling to actually help people to share um, and preserve their own, you know, histories and stories. Um, So I absolutely love doing that work. The small ones are so important because in my experience, they hold the most value. Why is that? They hold the most value because community members want to hear what their neighbors are doing. They want to hear from, you know, Miss Jackson, who has lived on the block for 30 years, what's her story? And they're inspired by their own neighbors and their own family members. So I think when they see someone in their own neighborhood who are doing amazing things that they just had no idea about, those little stories make the most difference rather than, you know, Meek Mill, you know, the big names that we hear coming out of Philadelphia. It reminds us that every person is capable of doing great things, even your neighbor. Exactly. Those ordinary people are doing extraordinary things. And speaking of extraordinary things, you just won a really notable award. Can you tell me 
what that award is and what you won it for and why it's so special. I guess recently my documentary was awarded um, the Edward R. Murrow Awards for Best Documentary Short. And what was that documentary? The documentary was called um, The Raleigh Pact. It is about a mother from Raleigh, North Carolina, who accidentally became an activist when her son was killed by Raleigh Police, the Raleigh Police Department. When this mom lost her son in such a way, she knew that she had to be the voice for so many other mothers who have lost their own sons and daughters in the same exact way. So this accidental activism has taken on its own you know, life for her and it's taken her to places where she is seeking justice for her son still to this day. And it's been almost six, seven years now. You know, this officer is still on the police force. Her activism is still inspiring so many others. And I believe that being a part of this film, it just kind of validates what I'm doing is, is, is definitely worthwhile and people want to know about it. Those little stories, people want to hear about that. Those little stories have a uh, big impact. And I think what you do has big impact. And the fact that you were recognized by a group of journalists says so much about your storytelling and how absolutely integral it is to community work. That is so true. Um, and I believe that, you know, I'm from Raleigh, North Carolina, so I remember the story playing in the news. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so heartbreaking. Having those journalists to see, hey, there's a story here and that story is so precious and it needs to be told. And they thought that our film told this beautiful story of this mother seeking justice. It was perfect. This film is is very unique and, and one of its kind um, that has won, won this prestigious award. So. So once you get something like this, now it not only validates your work, but it gives you other opportunities yes. to figure out what's next. Mm -hmm. So that leads me to what's next. What's next? Um, next is working on a um, documentary that is both personal um, and it's, it's, I would say it's my passion project. It's something that I hope to finish within the next couple of years, I would say, because it takes so long. But the project is about my father who was killed due to racial violence. It is alleged that, you know, he was having an affair with a white woman and that is the reason that he was killed. So as a young, like my, my father was killed 11 days before my first birthday. So I never knew who he was but I've always overheard the story of how he died. So hearing that as a young person, it causes traumas that I didn't know that I had until I reached adulthood. So when I see, you know, Gianna Floyd, George Floyd's daughter, and she, she actually has evidence that, you know, her father was killed because of his skin color. What kind of psychological effects is that having on her? And she's able to see it. Like, I, it, I know it had, you know, effects on me just by hearing the story. So I can't imagine what she would be going through. So this document documentary is exploring my own personal journey to healing and dealing with, you know, mental health issues that come along with such, you know, this traumatic event that's happened and hoping to make the documentary something that can be used to inspire legislation that will allow children who have lost their parents due to any type of violence to have therapy, access to art programs, the best schools, because we know that going through something like this is very traumatic. So 
what kind of resources can we bring to them to to make the coping a little bit smoother? I want to say it's not going to be easy, but hopefully we can make it a little bit smoother so that they don't have to run and hide. Yeah. And in our community, unfortunately, in the black and brown communities, it's a matter of, you know, uh, we don't talk about these things. Mm-hmm. Mental health is just not an issue. Yes. We just, you know, grin and bear it. Mm-hmm. And you're saying that's no longer the option. That is no longer the option. When we hide from our pain and our trauma, it leaves a scar so big that we we don't know how to fix it because it's festered so long. So what I'm saying is before it begins to fester, especially in these young children, we need to make sure the resources are there so that they don't go into the world hating. Hating it imagine walking through life with hate. It's not it's not good. It's also not an option. It's not an option. And the work that you do is in its own right, really allowing people to open up this thing, see the wound mm-hmm. and address the wound. Yes. And then maybe some healing can come about. Exactly. Your community work does just that. Yes, it does do that. And I believe we have to show what has been bothering us mm-hmm. so that we can say, hey, you're hurting me. Sometimes you just need to see the wounds that have been caused. To call for accountability. Yes, exactly. When you see it, yeah. just maybe you can resolve it. You're a black woman out here trying to make sure some healing gets done. How important is that, especially in what you do? It's important to me because I know filmmaking has helped me in so many different ways. Just by saying I'm gonna do this project has helped me on the healing journey. Like I am the first person in my family to address this issue in my my family. There's been you know, generation after generation who has dealt with this. So let's record this process so that you know what you can do. And then the world can also know what they can do in the, in similar situations. I believe the power of film and audio can help break some chains. All right, let's start breaking some chains. That's what I'm here for. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I appreciate it. The Philly Rising Changemaker is sponsored by... Penn Medicine Heart and Vascular Center, performing the most advanced heart procedures in the region. KYW's Antoinette Lee here with this week's Philly Rising Changemaker of the Week. Happy, happy new year, y'all. As a new parent, I can attest to how challenging the parenting journey is and how important community can be to that transformation. Our Philly Rising Changemaker of the Week is a psychologist and director of the program, working to ease fathers into the journey that is fatherhood through support from peers. Here's more. Parenting doesn't come with an owner's manual when babies are born. Thankfully, at Einstein Medical Center, that's where the dad lab comes in. That is one of the keys to to the power of, of this group. When you have a new baby especially and you're exhausted and you're overwhelmed and maybe you've been in those situations, you've tried everything. You think everything should be satisfied, but they're still crying and wailing. And you're overwhelmed and you feel alone. You feel like something must be wrong with me that I can't calm my baby down. But hearing from other people that they've been just in that same situation and it's not unique, it's universal. Um, So it's that kind of, that's the support that can only come from peers who who are sharing stories together. A professional can tell you, and that's great. You know, there's, there's nothing wrong with a professional giving you advice, but 
the emotional isolation, being overwhelmed, is is such a big, big challenge. And, and that's and I think that's where Dad Lab is so powerful. That's director Dr. Jay Charney. He says the program's mission is empowering fathers with the resources, information, and community they need to be the best parents they can be. Because a, a really critical part of development for dads is co-parenting, is how, how to work with the mom, how to work with your partner. They're essentially creating a village and a safe space for dads to be open about their questions and concerns. The meetings are curated based on the needs of the parents. So men sometimes are a little reluctant to um, to come in and open up. But when they do, it's a beautiful thing to see. You know, we, we want to create a, a, an atmosphere where it's safe to admit, hey, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. Well, of course you don't know. How <laughs> You've never done it before. How could you possibly know how to be a mom or dad when you haven't done it. And so it's like, yeah, you're in touch. You're, you're scared. You're, you're a little overwhelmed. Good. You're in touch with reality. Dr. J says they hope to be able to help even more families. Any men caring for a child under two is invited to join the group that meets virtually Thursdays at 6 p.m. So Dad Lab is for any uh, pre-dad or new dad in the first two years who wants to explore how to become the best dad they can be and uh, how to get more out of being a dad for yourself, for your baby, for your partner. The resource is free, but of course it's BYOB. That's bring your own baby. (laughs) If you're interested in learning more about the Dad Lab, you can find out more at einstein.edu slash dadlab. That's it for this week's Philly Rising Changemaker of the Week. Before we wrap, I wanted to shout out Miss Donna Fields, who nominated the Dad Lab as our Philly Rising Changemaker of the Week. If you know someone we should highlight next, someone, anyone in your community making a difference, please let us know. You can reach out through the KYW News Radio website or give us a call at the station. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. Thanks for joining us for Bridging Philly, brought to you by Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. Be sure to connect with us on Twitter at Bridging Philly and with me at Raquel On Air. And of course, please subscribe to the podcast. For Antoinette Lee, Shara Day Howard, and our podcast producer, Tom Rickert, I'm Raquel Williams. Be well.